Welcome to New Cities Sermon Podcast. Join us as we root deep in God's Word, expecting to be encouraged, challenged, and formed to be more like Jesus together. Let's get into the scriptures now. I'm glad to be here with you tonight. And um, I'm going to pray before we open up the Word and get into it. So if you would, just take a moment and pray with me. Father, we are grateful that we can gather in peace. You've prepared this place for us. You've blessed us with an opportunity to come and lift up our voices and praise, to pray with one another, and to hear from your word. And so we pray that you would be the one that we hear from tonight. May our hearts and our minds be open and receptive to whatever it is that you would say tonight. Help us to respond in obedience and love to the love that you extend to us. We ask for your protection now, that we would hear clearly and and distractions would be uh, removed. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, as John said, you know, we're a couple weeks away, two weeks away from our Christmas Eve service, which means basically two weeks away from Christmas, right? And uh, has the spirit of Christmas gotten all of you? Are you guys ready? Is, is it happening? Are you all excited uh, for Christmas? Everybody got trees and, and decorations and all that kind of stuff going? All the adults right now, if you're up here, I'm looking at all the adults and I was like, whatever. And there's one young person over here. It's like, yes, I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> right? I, I enjoy this time of the year uh, a lot, actually. Um, I enjoy doing the tree thing. We've got our tree up. Thanksgiving weekend, we put the tree up. You know, much to the chagrin of my wife, she wasn't interested by drug it out of the shed, and it is up and lit up, and uh, the, the kids are excited. I, I, I love all of it, really, and we have family coming in soon, and so uh, Christmas cookies are going to get baked, and uh, they do the little decorations and all the sprinkles and everything. I, I enjoy that. That's one of my favorite things. Um, I love all the lights. We put lights up on the house. You guys do that? And, uh, and Christmas cookies are coming, too, the decorations. I'm excited about, about the Christmas cookies. And the excitement that the kids have, right? It's fun to watch the kids as the presents slowly make their way out underneath the tree. And uh, that excitement that's in their eyes as they kind of wonder, what's that? Who's it for? What's in there? And then, of course, the Christmas cookies are, are good. I'm excited about the, the, the cookies. My, my focus is, right, apparent for you, right? I'm thinking about cookies. That's what I'm excited about. Um, my focus has changed, of course, as I've aged. But uh, I watch my kids, and, of course, I remember that I was once like that. I used to uh, sneak out of bed super early uh, when I was a kid, and I would try to make my way downstairs as much as possible. We had wooden stairs, and they creaked a lot, and so I had to be careful, right, not to wake up mom and dad because it's way too early for me to be awake. But the tradition that we had at home was Santa, his present, would be left unwrapped. And so it was out there. And so if I could get down a little bit and get my head around the banister and creak, you know, I could see like, yes, I got whatever that toy was and be excited about what was coming earlier, uh, later on in that morning. So, but I like, like I said, you know, the, the focus changes and my focus has shifted. I'm more excited about the cookies than I am the presents. And uh, the truth is I'm more excited about why we gather here tonight, um, why we as a church are shifting our focus um, at this time of the year, because as followers of Christ, our focus, of course, should change. We remember the anticipation that God's people had for years and years and years, waiting for the one 
who has promised to come. We're the one who would bring hope and peace and joy and love. And uh, the one who would fix all the brokenness in our world and in our lives. Isaiah gave us this promise in uh, the chap- chapter 9, verse 6. He promised, for a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The promised child would be the Prince of Peace. And earlier tonight, we sang of that announcement of that promised child, that Prince of Peace. The angels sang praised to the shepherds in the field that night. In Luke chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, it paints the picture this way. Suddenly, there was a multitude of the heavenly hosts with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. This promised Prince of Peace finally being born to bring peace on earth. And that's our focus tonight. Remembering the arrival of Jesus into our world and remembering that he brought with him hope, peace, joy, and love. Now, last week, as Pastor John mentioned, he brought us the message of hope, and he covered that well. And tonight, we take a look at peace, and more specifically, we're going to look at supernatural peace And the reason I make that distinction is because what God offers is supernatural peace. It is not the peace that the world offers us, but it comes from only God. And so it is a supernatural peace. Paul will later say it's a peace that surpasses our understanding, and it only comes from God. Everybody wants peace, right? This is something that we should be excited about tonight, to hear about what is this supernatural peace, because we all long for peace in our lives. There's not a single person I think of who would raise their hand tonight and say, nah, I'm not interested in peace in my life. I kind of like the turmoil and the tension and the conflict that exists. It's ridiculous, right? Everybody is pursuing peace. And so I think this is a great topic for tonight at any point really in our lives, but we want not the peace that Maybe the world has to offer. We want something that lasts. We want something that's real. And so this is what we're going to look at tonight. Tonight's passage uh, uh, that we're going to study is John chapter 14. If you have your Bibles, you can make your way there. John chapter 14, verse 27. And you heard me right. That's only one verse. And uh, as I was preparing for uh, the sermon tonight, I thought, how's that going to land on people's ears when I tell them we're going to focus on a single verse tonight? I thought there might be some of you sitting here and uh, going, yes, little fist bump. You know, not outwardly because, you know, we're adults. We're we're in church, stoic, composed, but internally fist bumping. We're out of here soon. And then I thought, well, maybe there's this other group that's going one verse, an entire sermon. You know, maybe a little eye rolling going on. Again, adults composed in church, not outwardly, but inside you're probably thinking, how, well, this might be a fiasco, right? One verse for an entire sermon. So <clears throat> I don't know how that landed on you, but I want to put your minds at ease. There's going to be supplemental verses that we'll look at, but certainly this verse alone is rich and full and could complete uh, many sermons, I would imagine, uh, just all by itself. Um, so let's take a look at the Word of God tonight. Again, John chapter 14, verse 27. Jesus says to his disciples, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. This is the word of the Lord. 
Now, peace is certainly a word that we use a lot, and it's an idea that we seemingly never stop pursuing. Uh, I work at a hospital, and uh, most of the cases that I see on a daily basis are the worst cases that are in the hospital. These are people that uh, many of them don't make it out of the hospital. And so you can imagine the stress and the strain, the turmoil, the conflict, the worry, the fear that is present in the patient, in the family, and in their loved ones that are there. And without a doubt, when I go visit, peace is the thing they ask for. Pray for peace. Pray for peace. Because there is a storm in their life in that moment, one that's tossing them back and forth, one that is more than they can bear. And in that moment, they want peace. They want that storm to settle. And so they ask, pray for peace. Peace is something we all want, as I said a moment ago. But it seems to be an almost impossible reality. Since the fall of Adam and Eve, there has been hostility between mankind and God. And as a consequence of that hostility, that broken relationship, now there's hostility between, the t- between us, between mankind and itself, right? There is conflict between us and towards one another. There's really, I don't have to go to great lengths to um, give you examples of that, do I? Um, it's pretty apparent, it's obvious to us that there is conflict in this world. It's almost been two years. Can you imagine? Two years. I looked it up just to confirm because I was thinking, how long has uh, the, our screens been flooded with conflict warring nations? And so I thought, well, we've got this recent one, of course, in the mid- Middle East. And what about the war on Ukraine? How long do you think? Almost two years since it started already. Right? That's, that thing's been going on for almost two years. And if If there aren't nations at war with one another that we see on our screens, there's always the threat that it's coming. This past week, you probably heard that there was another shooting at the University in Nevada, and people are feeling stress over finances, right? Uh, How I'm going to make this dollar stretch a little bit further. It seems like inflation's all crazy, and things are more expensive than ever before, and so we feel stress and strain in our homes. And for decades now, there's been an attack on the family. Brokenness exists in our families, and there's stress and there's strain there, and we live in a hostile world. If you're thinking about a new career, it wouldn't be a bad idea to think about going into counseling. More than ever, there is a need for more counselors. You can, they have shifted things so much so that you can get counseled through text messaging with your counselor, right? Because there's such a great need for more counselors. There's more time right now. There's more people expressing that they are living with depression and unmitigated anxiety than ever before. It's obvious that we need peace, and we need it desperately. And Jesus, the Prince of Peace, was born into the world to bring peace And our passage tonight is saying that he is giving us his peace. Where is it? Right? Where is this peace? Maybe a good starting point for us tonight is understanding what this peace is that Jesus is speaking of. When we talk about peace, we typically mean that there's no conflict. There's an absence of conflict, and so we have peace. There's no hostility, and so we have peace. And I can think about, uh, you know, my, my relationship with my wife. Uh, I have peace with my wife right now because we didn't fight today. We didn't have an argument. We're not in the middle of any sort of argument that's developing or any of that. And so we have peace. There's no conflict at home. Thank the Lord. Uh, I have peace right now. 
peace, uh, maybe we have peace with uh, debt that we've paid off, right? We finally got peace, that conflict, that strain, that tension uh, resolved with our debtors, and now I have peace with my finances. The Bible uses peace in this way too, the absence of conflict. Um, in the past couple of weeks, Pastor John has used a couple of videos to introduce the sermon. You guys, if you've been here, you remember those videos. It's by an organization called The Bible Project, right? And those are fun videos. The animation's all good, and the teaching is great. And they have a video on this word study piece. And so afterwards, you might want to look it up. It's just a couple of minutes long, and it's great. And one of the things that they make, point, uh, make mention of is that the Bible does, in fact, use peace throughout it to... Um, talk about the absence of conflict. But it goes beyond that. Uh, so yes, there's an absence of conflict, but it points to a hope that there's something more, that there's something beyond, something better than just the absence of conflict. And so I can think back to my conflict or lack thereof with my wife, and we have peace. But what they would say is that what the Bible means, what God means, is that the absence of conflict with your wife is great, but after that resolution takes place, there's something more. And so maybe I'm more connected with my wife than ever before because of that conflict and how we resolved it, there's something better on the other side, not just the absence of that conflict. Does that make sense? Right? And so there's something more there, something more complete, something richer. Many of you are probably familiar with the word shalom, the Hebrew word for peace. And shalom has this meaning of being complete or whole, not having a void. There's no brokenness. There's nothing missing. But when we stop and think about our relationships, the complexities of our lives, think about having our relationships lacking nothing, having no void, missing nothing. All right, so maybe I have hope that that's possible with my wife. We can work towards peace to shalom, to completeness. But I have relationships with a lot of other people. Some of them are sitting right here in, in this church. I'm like, could I really have shalom with all of you? Or what about your place of work? Not just the relationships that exist at work, but work itself. Could I really have shalom there too? This is what Jesus is offering Right? This is the type of peace that he is talking about in, uh, in our chapter 14 and verse 27 tonight. This is what he's offering. But how do we get there? This is his shalom. How do we get there? How do we have that sort of peace in such a complex environment? Our own lives are so complex. How do we get this shalom? So maybe we take a step further into understanding this peace. Earlier I said that Adam and Eve had broken off peace with God, and now there's hostility, and it's been present ever since. And as a consequence of that, there's been hostility and conflict among his people ever since. We are hostile toward God and hostile toward one another. But the peace that Jesus gives is one that restores this relationship, and as a consequence, these relationships. In the letter to the Ephesians, Paul says that Jesus is our peace. In Romans chapter 5, Paul will say, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. A few verses down, he says, since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved by God's wrath through him? 
in verse 10, for if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? In Colossians, Paul again affirms the statement. He says, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, that is Jesus, and through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Amen. Jesus, the Prince of Peace, brought the hostility that existed between mankind and God to an end through his death on that cross. Paul's reminding us today that that baby that we are anticipating in a couple weeks, that baby in that manger grew up to be a man who would give his life so that we could have peace with God. Jesus' death on the cross paid the debt we owed for our sins. Now remember this part, because this is an important part. Jesus did this while we were hostile towards him, while we were enemies towards him. It wasn't like we were on our way to fixing this relationship with God, right? It wasn't like, hey, I'm going to take a couple steps in this direction and, and repair these relationships that I have here, repair this relationship that I have with God. And it wasn't like we were having a negotiation with God. Hey, Lord, if you could come a couple steps this way, I'll come a couple steps this way, and maybe eventually we'll meet in the middle and our relationship will be restored. That's not the situation. Scripture tells us we were enemies with, with God, enemies with God. And it's in this situation where God gives up his life. Jesus dies on the cross in this environment while we are hostile towards him. It's amazing, isn't it? Amen. I'll, I'll, help. I'll help you. It's amazing, isn't it? Right? Who does that? Who does that? While hostility exists, extends himself, gives up his life so that our relationship can be reconciled with God the Father. What's he ask of us? Trust him. Believe that he lived and died for our sins. Believe that he defeated death, rose again, so that we would have life in him. This is the peace Jesus is promising in John 14. And it's kind of crazy, the context of this promise, right? Jesus has just finished a meal with his disciples, and now they're talking. And um, it may be the most tumultuous, stressful, strainful time in Jesus' earthly life because hours from this moment, he knows the cross awaits. It's hours away, and he knows it. Hours away from being beaten, from being deserted, from being separated from his father, he knows it's coming. And what does he say? Because he has this peace, he's extending that peace to his disciples. He's comforting them because they're freaking out themselves. They understand that the climate has changed. And so he's promising that he will give them, he is giving them his peace. The writer of Hebrews reflects upon this event in chapter 12 and says this, that Jesus, knowing that this was about to happen to him, did it for the joy set before him. He says this, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What's the joy set before Jesus? What's the thing that Jesus sees and says, I'm going to go through this because that is worth it. 
all of us. We are the joy set before him. He sees the salvation of his people. He sees the peace of his people, and he says, I will go through this for them, and it gives him joy. We are his joy. The joy is you having his peace. Again, how amazing is this God that loves us this much? And how different is this peace he gives us when we trust in him? Can you imagine having this peace that Jesus is offering? In John chapter 14, going back to our verse, he says he gives his peace. And this peace, it says, is very different from the peace offered by the world. You guys remember the movie The Matrix? Yeah. Probably everybody's seen it maybe several times. Guilty. Um, When that movie first came out, I remember it was wildly popular. And uh, people, I can remember sitting, watching it with my brother. And uh, I don't know, let's just say it was two hours long. I don't remember. It turned into a four-hour event because... Every time something happened that was spiritual, it was like, pause. What do you think this means? Look what that happened. Is it? And so this happened everywhere. People were trying to dissect this movie and try to figure out, what does this mean? What are, what are these guys trying to communicate here? And so much so that there were Bible studies focused on the matrix. Not making it up. Not making it up. But one of the, my favorite scenes in the movie is when... Um, He's, uh, when Neo, he's the, uh, the hero, right? When Neo is being betrayed, a guy named Cypher goes to betray him, and he's sitting at a restaurant with the enemy, and they're kind of negotiating the terms of this betrayal. And Cypher says, um, as he takes a big hunk of meat on his fork, he's about to eat this steak, he goes, I know this isn't real. I know that the aroma and the taste, it's all in my mind. It's not real. And then he shoves it in his mouth, chews it up a little bit. And he's like, ah, ignorance is bliss, right? I think that is one of those false pieces that uh, the world has to offer, an ignorant piece, right? The piece that says, I don't want to deal with reality. I don't want to know what's true. Can we just pretend everything is okay? Can you kind of give me some cliche sayings? This happens all the time in the hospital, by the way right? They don't want me to tell them where real peace is is from, who can give it, and how you get it. Just comfort me some way, any way, not that way. And so it's an ignorant sort of peace that the world has to offer. There's another peace that I think the world offers, and I call it the surface level peace. You know, all smiles all the time. Maybe you guys were doing some of the surface level piece when you came in. Hey, how's it going? Good, great. Everything's great, right? Don't peel back any layers, though, right? And don't look any deeper because it's a little messy underneath. It's that surface level piece that we're okay with and don't want to go any deeper. And this is a false piece. It's, a, it's an alternative to the real piece that Jesus offers. There's a third type of piece. I'm sure there's many more, but three that I thought of uh, while preparing today. And this one, when I, when I thought about this one, I thought, oh, this comes to my mind so easily because it is true for me, and it's a dependent peace, this false peace that we're offered. I'm at peace when things are just right in my life, 
when I have that peace with my wife, then everything's good. Maybe you can resonate with, with that sentiment. It, it, it gets a little silly. I, I actually, um, I was going to share this with you while I was preparing yesterday. This um, dependent peace surfaced. See, I needed to sit down and work, and I needed to focus, and so how do I do that? Well, thankfully, my wife took the kids out of the house for a few hours, and that provided peace, but that is not good enough, not for me. Another way that I need peace to sit down and do my work is I need to clean everything up. I had to do the dishes. I had to wipe down the counters. I had to put things away. I did get the AC just right, the blinds just right. I did get everything situated. And I'm telling you, uh, to my shame, like uh, judging, I know, I know what's happening here. I sit down after all that, and, I, and, and there's a literal, audible, huh, now there's peace. Now I can work. It's silly, right? That's the reality. It's silly, but it gave me peace in the moment, and that's the trick, right? It's the momentary peace. It's a momentary peace. It's fleeting. It's dependent on my circumstances. And all of these that I've mentioned are bad imitations of the peace that Jesus is giving his followers. So having considered what is this supernatural peace that Jesus promises and uh, how it differs from the peace that the world offers, uh, I want to end by thinking about how we can have this peace that Jesus gives. And as I wrote that out, and I thought about it, I'm like, that is such an oxymoron, isn't it? Here Jesus says, I give you my peace, and I'm saying, how can we have it? Like, I'm giving you my peace, how can I have this peace? Like, I have it. Followers of Christ have it. Jesus says, I give you this peace, right? And so as a follower of Jesus, he says, this is a gift. It has been given to you. You have it. You have the peace that Christ had. And so maybe the better way uh, of thinking of this is, why am I not experiencing this peace? If I have it, why do I not experience this peace? Well, let's go back to our verse, chapter 14, verse 27. And the last two lines say this, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. This let not, neither let, calls his followers to act. Jesus gives us his peace, this otherworldly, this supernatural peace. Now he says, use it. Use that peace. I give it to you. Now use it. You have it to your, uh, you have access to it. Um, I heard somebody liken it to um, having money in the bank. You have money in the bank, right? Go get it. You need money. You have it in the bank. Go get it, right? But maybe here's the problem. Um, Maybe you forgot your pen. Is the bank going to give you your money if you don't know your pin number? Uh-uh, right? And maybe that's our problem. Maybe we need, what's the spiritual pin number for us to access this piece? Well, maybe there's others, but I'm going to give you at least my, my spiritual pin number, right? My spiritual pin number tonight is Isaiah 26, 3. It says this, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. At the beginning of the year, I reached out to my older sister. She, um, she lives back in southern Illinois where we grew up together. And I said, hey, would you uh, be interested in reading through the Bible with me throughout the year? And uh, 
surprisingly, happily, she said, yeah, let's do it. And I said, great. You know, she's this type of person that I knew if she said yes, done deal, right? She's very disciplined. She does all these little things, like works out crazy. She did this thing a couple years ago called 75 Hard. Anybody run across this little regiment, 75 Hard? I was there while she's in the middle of it. So here's how it works. For 75 days straight, you have to eat a very particular way. You have to read a certain amount of pages, you get to pick the book, and then you have to work out twice a day. One of those workouts has to be outside, rain, snow, or shine, get your rear end out there and do it. And I'm like, you know, here I am, her younger brother, and I feel like, you know, it's my responsibility as a younger brother to break her, right? I'm there, she's in the middle of it, I'm like, donuts, I mean, what kind of a younger brother would I be if I didn't tempt her to fail, right? It's my responsibility. But you know what? This woman is disciplined. Nothing. She would make the donuts. She would make all these delicious sugary treats. And he's like, here you go. And go back and eat her green stuff. I don't know, right? It was, she's just that disciplined. So when she decided that she would read the Bible with me, I was, uh, I was excited because I you know, to be honest, I wanted her to come to know God in a very personal way. And I trusted that her being in the Bible every day would help facilitate that. Now, I broke, right? I didn't make it through the year uh, in, the, <clears throat> in the Bible reading, but that didn't stop her. She kept on reading. And uh, then a couple months ago, we were on the phone, and she says, hey, I kind of get in this vibe that maybe my company is going to eliminate our department. And uh, so <clears throat> we, we talked a little bit about that. And then a few weeks later, she said, I think it's really happening. I think they're going to eliminate my, my job, my entire department. She'd been at this organization for over 20 years now. And um, I sort of expected, right, a normal response would be anxiety, fear, you know, those sorts of things. But it wasn't there. In fact, she started saying how she was praying about her work situation. And I have to tell you, I don't think I've ever heard my sister say anything about praying ever. Finally, a couple of weeks ago, it happened. Uh, her company did, in fact, eliminate her job. And uh, she told me when it happened, you know, she was sad and she was kind of hurt, a little upset about the process. But more than anything, she said, I've got peace about it. And I have no fears, no worries about what's coming next. Uh, she went on to tell me <clears throat> that she had been praying and asked God in prayer. She said, I, I asked God, I said, you say, cast your burdens on you, and so here you go. This is yours because I can't handle it. And I remember thinking, how, she, how does she know this passage? I know she had, oh, she's been reading the Bible, right? And uh, what's happening in my sister's life? About the same time, her, uh, her husband, my brother-in-law, calls me up and he says, hey, I got to tell you something. I think your sister's got the Holy Spirit. And he goes on to tell me all these things that have been happening in, in her life. And um, it's such wonderful stuff, right? right? God is just so faithful to do this simple thing, be in his word, and he will draw close to us. He will reveal himself to us. And as we know him, as our mind changes by knowing him through his word, well, then we have his peace, right? Change the way that we think, especially about our circumstances. Trust in God, 
and our peace goes through the roof, right? The more that we think about God, the more that we trust him, the more that we trust him, the more that supernatural peace will rule our lives. Everybody's striving for peace. Everybody's working hard to find it. Everybody is trying to grasp hold of it and not let it go. But Jesus tells us that this supernatural peace is a gift that he gives to those who trust him. You know, maybe today uh, is the day that you begin to trust Jesus for the very, very first time. I would say, man, if that's you, please let somebody know. Encourage them because it is such a great encouragement to hear that somebody else has said, I'm going to change the way I think about my circumstances. I'm going to choose Jesus over the world. It's such an encouragement. So please, if that's you, let somebody know about that tonight. But maybe it's just you forgot the PIN number, how to access your peace. And you need to recommit to the way that you think by going back to God's word, by being stayed in his word, because his word does not come back void. The more that we're in that word, the more that our minds change about who God is, the more that we trust him, the more that we have peace. The truth is the Lord does whatever he wants, and so maybe it's something totally different that's happening in your life right now, this last half hour. Whatever your situation, I would encourage you tonight to trust him, to obey him, to embrace the perfect peace in your life that he has for you. Let's pray. Thank you for joining with us as we rooted deep in God's Word. If you found this sermon encouraging, share it with a friend. You can learn more about New City by going to newcityhh.com or checking us out on social media by searching New City HH. We'll see you next week. <laughs>